0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time,
1: delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, and touchdown.
0: This time to Indeed.
1: Him, he did. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio. My name is Colm Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, also the co-host of the Stealing Bananas podcast along with Ben Gretsch, uh, my favourite listen to each and every week. Phenomenal feedback coming in for the show is uh, just amazing content across the board from Sean and Ben. On today's show, Sean, we are going to be talking about... Uh, another piece up on the website from yourself looking at some uh, wide receivers to try and get um, wide receiver targets you know if you're going for that uh, running back heavy or not running back heavy i guess but as heavy as we tend to go with a running back running back start and how to set yourself up to win some big prizes this season looking forward to going into that we'll also have a piece from sam wallace coming up looking at some tight ends to target in season long leagues but uh looking forward to this one sean
2: Yeah, so, uh, Colin, what do you think? We've had some running back, running back starts, or at least running back, wide receiver, running back, where we took Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the third round. We had this opportunity this season with Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, falling to the first, second round turn. We know there are some red flags there, or else they wouldn't fall. And yet, at the same time, it's incredibly difficult to pass those guys up at that juncture. How are you feeling about some of these running back, running back starts. Not looking at the rest of it yet, but just looking at those guys. How do you feel about starting with a couple of running backs? Are those your favorite starts? When I talk about it in the article, I'm thinking in terms of it's either a situation where you have McCaffrey, maybe a Dalvin Cook, and then one of your favorites falls to you at the end of round two, the beginning of round three, an Edwards alaire uh, DeAndre Swift, if we start to get some better news from the lions they claim that he's more or less ready to come back my concern is not uh, that he won't be ready at the start of the season but this could be something that kind of lingers and causes some headaches some heartache all throughout the season now which makes him a little bit less appealing to me you could have that start you could obviously have the taylor barkley start there probably aren't any other running back running back starts from you know a, a 10 11 12 draft slot that i like i mean there are a lot of other running backs that we like there i mean we're huge aaron jones fans we're huge austin eckler fans but there are reasons why a Diggs hill or an adams ridley or a ridley jefferson start would be preferable to really any other combination than barkley taylor column are you still taking barkley taylor sometimes
1: sometimes but a little bit less just as the news continues to be a little bit more tricky i guess we'll call it um I think though we have had some very interesting starts, um and including in the listener leagues, for example, I just pulled up a draft board in front of us where we have Adams to start, and then Barkley, followed by Edwards-Lair. Like I think that's very easy to like um, <laughs> because you're getting that uh, wide receiver, then you get a discount on Barkley and a discount on edwards Alaire But I think if we're looking in just standard ADP where it's going in terms of your regular drafts that you're involved in, I think the Only time that I'm I'm really looking to do it is if you're at the back end of that first round like we did in a couple of the best ball tournament drafts where we got, we did that approach um, that you mentioned there. Um, They're the ones that I'm interested in. I am interested in Eckler, but just time and time again, when I fall into the draft position, if I'm between spot eight and spot 12 I, i'm going with a, a wide receiver or a tight end usually in that first round if waller does get that far and then i'm usually picking up one of those uh, one of those wide receivers on the way back as well so i am not diving into it too much but if you're saying like what's going to tempt me it's going to be that uh, taylor Barclay, um approach so when we were getting them opportunities four weeks ago maybe it was i thought yeah, this is, this is too good to be true. But obviously, as we wait and wait for more news to come out surrounding the injury situations around Jonathan Taylor and then with Saquon Barkley himself, it makes it a little bit trickier. But I have been more and more tempted to go for those approaches with the early slots and picking up Edwards-Alaire, for example. Um, so if you have a Christian McCaffrey-Edwards-Alaire team, that's also a very nice start because you can get yourself that uh, wide receiver as well at that you know 301 as well.
2: And, them when we look at a running back, running back start and what it does for us, we know that the win rates for running backs are actually very low in these first couple of rounds. The injury rates are very high. The chances of hitting landmines are very high. And yet you're also getting some elite running back performances from these first couple of rounds. Now, it really comes from just a handful of guys, right? I mean, you're really just talking about your Christian McCaffrey's, your Todd Gurley when he was drafted in the second round. And so uh, we get this sense that, okay, well taking a running back in round one is safe and high upside as long as the guy doesn't get hurt that he's still going to score points he's going to give us sort of an anchor back but the anchor word i think is always a little bit interesting because it really has connotations that run both directions right is the anchor good is the anchor bad is the anchor the thing that's kind of holding us in place and allowing us then to do all of the rest of the things that we want to do Or is the anchor the thing that's holding us down and keeping us back? And so uh, we really get both of those things from these running backs here. The problem is that the safety element is overrated because getting simply a solid performance from your running back doesn't do it for you in best ball leagues. And there's a question of whether or not it does it for you in regular redraft leagues as well. I like to use the roster construction explorers to give us a little bit of insight to also our redraft teams, knowing that there are differences. Right, this element of how running back in the first round plays in best ball versus redraft, there are some subtle ways in which you have similarities and differences. Definitely, running back, running back, similarities and differences. You could argue that the running back, running back start or a running back anchor start is better in best ball. You can argue that it's worse in best ball. And the reasons are actually somewhat similar, right, in that we're limited to the number of running backs that we have, we don't have a chance to. Uh, get as many of these late round running backs and zero running back options. We don't have the chance to use waivers to sub in this guy who is going to score as a zero RB guy for us and fix the problems if we don't hit on our zero running back candidates. At the same time, that actually is an argument for redraft you know taking the running backs early as well one of the problems that you have in best ball is that you use your running backs early they get injured they miss what have you and you can't replace them if you take a couple of swings in best ball then you know that basically what you're doing is even if you hit on one of them you're eliminating it with the other guy that's a little bit less the case in redraft because you can use again waivers to fix that problem in the same way that as your running back team can use it to fix that problem but We can still draw some conclusions. We look here at the running back, running back start in the FFPC Classic, and we see that it's very average, right? 8.5% win rate, 50.5% top six percentage, exactly 2% top two percentile. So, again, I mean, you're talking about the most average way that you can start a draft. And, you know, for most of us, our goal isn't to be mediocre here. By contrast, if you take your second running back after round nine, so that could be either a single elite running back start or it could be a zero running back start where you've just filtered one running back in there somewhere along the way. But you take that second running back after round eight. So round nine is the earliest. You have a 10% win rate, 55% top six percentage, a 3% top two percentile. And so you can see the the really large differences we have when you talk about all the leagues that are going on. I mean, those are huge differences. And yet again, we have this taylor Barkley start that maybe we want to try. We have this McCaffrey edward's a layer start that we want to try are there things we can do to redeem this start and one of the things you can do is completely stop drafting running backs after those first two guys right if you start running back running back and then select your running back three after round nine you jump to up to an almost 12 percent win rate and so you're thinking okay well what i've done here now is i've given myself the exposure to the stars And I've loaded up at wide receiver in these ranges where they outscore running backs by so much and say, Colin, we went through a couple of scenarios here, one with this early slot, one with the late start. Go through for us a little bit, kind of the guys we're looking at and what you like, don't like about the rosters that I've built.
1: Well, I think uh, we're going to, and the listeners, I'm sure as well, are going to like a lot about them. But if we go for that early slot, you know, we're going with the 101. And I, I touched on it with a possible start from the 101, and is that one of getting uh, McCaffrey, then Edwards-Lair, and then getting a, a superstar wide receiver. So in this model, you've gone with CD Lamb, then followed up in round four with T Higgins, then round five, Deontay Johnson. Gone the tight end approach then in round six with Fant or Thomas, round seven, Chenault, and then we have Elijah Moore, McCall Hardman and Henry Ruggs firing through the rest off of those guys. So I think like there's not a lot to dislike in that. I think we're getting our tight end in there that we want to get, and Fant or Thomas. Um, I think then the part that most people are going to have the question marks around is you know the the wide receivers we're getting in those last three picks, but I think as well they are going to be in this case your wide receiver kind of seven eight so uh, i don't think there's that real amount to be concerned about those are high upside picks and we'll touch a little bit more about those in a moment from the late slot though i think i do prefer the the picks we get from the the late slot overall so we have Barkley, taylor dj moore chris godwin or TJ hawkinson at that point um, and then we have chase claypool jerry judy debo samuel erb smith or Devontae smith then will fuller and then jarvis landry i think if you have the the tight end in round four with tj hawkinson and then you have Devontae smith in round eight i think that makes that a a very very interesting team which i think i would would prefer there is options there you know the cd lamb versus dj moore probably go for lamb there but have dj moore still pretty close to that and then t higgins over chris godwin but i think overall they're they're both very very nice um, rosters i do like when you look at the profile sean in this where you have them split up as the reason that we're drafting them so we have our second year eruption options we have our second year breakout options just below that then the third year guys to take that next step uh, and then the elite or young veterans that fit us in with dj Moore and chris godwin and then we have uh, the final one, which I, I really enjoyed, because we did talk about Jarvis Landry on the Tuesday podcast. I talk about him being undervalued. <laughs> you said the perpetually perpetually and bizarrely undervalued uh, who we have, uh, Will Fuller and, and Jarvis Landry. I think that fit, fits perfectly for Jarvis Landry and Will Fuller. So I think that the guys that we're targeting, we're looking at these second-year guys. We have Lamb, Higgins, Claypool. I think they're all prime just to, to absolutely go nuts this year and then we have jerry judy chenald and rugs who are all second year option to have that upside and rugs is one of those guys that's going late i think there's a little bit more conversation happening around him i know you were talking about it um you know a few months ago based on the opportunity for a breakout there i think rugs is going to be one to really watch this year because it's not going to take much for him to absolutely crush where he's going at the moment Um, and i think that that he fits in there very well so these both builds sean Really uh, liked him. Something that I'm targeting to do in both is the the wide receivers that we're getting here. My draft, if I had the idea to situation, is probably to get two of those top wide receivers in the first two rounds over the running backs. And then I tend to, when we get to the the McCall Hardman, Will Fuller, Henry Ruggs range, that's where I'm looking to get those running backs. But if we're going running back, running back at the start, and just hammering those wide receivers, I think uh, both of those are going to be be very interesting and then put you into that uh, really positive uh, opportunity that you mentioned starting running back running back and then holding off to after round nine so what what i see and i'm sure sean is what you're seeing is the part that is most tricky for drafters who start off with the approach of either going running back running back and then holding off and, and getting those six or seven wide receivers or opening things up and not taking a running back to you know round nine round ten I think part of it is when they start to take three that the panic or three or four then the panic comes in that oh, i need to get that running back and um i think it's all about the discipline of just sticking to the the roster construction that you're you're going through there
0: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button
1: so sean looking at one of the pieces up on the website from sam wallace he is doing an interesting series in finding the intersection between value and upside in this particular one we're looking at tight ends uh, for single season leagues. so looking at your redraft leagues for example and i, I think that uh, it's a great series head on over and check it out anything that sam does is is well worth checking out um but he is looking at three guys sean one of our uh targets in a lot of drafts is uh, Noah Fant who's going off the boards at the moment as tight end seven Uh, another interesting option that we've drafted a little bit more recently in the listener leagues together and that's Joni Smith uh, tight end 15 and redraft ADP at the moment Um, and then we do have somebody who have touched on in some of our drafts as well and some of the live drafts the listener may have heard us talk a little bit about uh, getting into that veteran territory at tight end 22 is Jared Cook is there any, Sean, that you want to dive into more? I know we have talked quite a bit about uh, Fant uh, this offseason, but um, is there any one of the three that you want to head on a little bit more?
2: Well, the thing that I really like that Sam has done here is he's combined kind of multiple important ideas to give you uh, intel, direction for really getting off to a fast start in your league, right? So he's looking at three guys who have very compelling profiles at their ADPs, and then saying in addition to that these guys could really help you now we know that the strength of schedule tool in some ways is going to be the best early on because it's going to be d- giving you defensive strength before the all the injuries happen and kind of eviscerate the actual strength of those defenses with the injuries at the same time we know that the beginning is also going to be the time period where a handful of teams are going to really change in terms of their quality. And so we're not sure about that yet. But I do like this idea of, okay, if we have a soft schedule to start, then I can really get out in front in my league. And you know, listeners know, if you're 3-1, and 4-0, and what you can do in terms of waiver pickups, what you can do in terms of trades, how you can put your team together, angling toward preparing for the playoffs already early in the season – is a lot different than what happens if you start 0-4, if you start 1-3. In a lot of those cases, we know that the teams that get off to a bad start, that structurally they're strong. They're going to come roaring back in the vast majority of cases, but now your margin for making the playoffs is smaller, right? And so if you can put yourself in position to win in the first month, it, it does really help. And the Denver Broncos have the number one strength of schedule, so the best strength of schedule over the first four weeks of any tight ends and you look at Fant, you look at some of the numbers that he's put up in the past you look at his ability to be kind of a, a mild target hog in this offense as defenses are having to deal with jerry judy who's been sort of the buzz of the entire nfl and training camp you have Cardinal sutton coming back as this deep threat you have kj hamler who's going to be the next deshaun jackson had the big play in the preseason game with all of that weaponry it's starting to look like Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. Whoever wins that job is going to play up a little bit, and then Fant can be very effective underneath. Sam talks about how in all the enthusiasm of how Pitts, it's easy to forget just how athletic Fant was. I mean, you've got a guy who is 6'4", 250 pounds, who runs a 4,540 who has a 6'8", 3-cone, who has a 39 and a half inch vertical leap, right? The people trying to cover Noah Fant don't match up to that. And so he's going to be open, he's going to get these targets, he has the chance to make these big catch-and-run plays, and especially with a favorable schedule, I think that you really like that. Now, Colin, the other two guys are deeper options. Janu, I think someone, again, who has that training camp buzz, was looking like he may be the guy in that offense with Hunter Henry hurt, with the wide receivers still, you know, there's been a little bit more buzz for Harry, and then... You know, once the game actually starts, you know, does he separate, you know, can he get open? You've got guys like Aguilar and Jacoby Myers, you know, are those solid players? Yes. But are they solid players in the, within the context of Cam Newton or Mac Jones passing, you know, probably not. And so then you're looking at Smith. Can he finally take the next step after he was, I mean, no one flashes at tight end like John Smith, right? It's a matter of where is the volume and i mean you watch the titans play and all of a sudden you think okay well aj brown has just made this astonishing play and then you look up and realize no that's 81 i mean that was that was smith i mean he is that athletic that dynamic and yet the target volume hasn't been there it was starting to look like it could be there with the patriots and then he gets hurt and so you know it's kind of this matter of what do the patriots offense look like you know is this more than just a really very minor injury which I, i think that it is but for smith for cook and cook you know there's even that question of you know will the deep option there not necessarily beat him out but again kind of siphon off the targets do we like guys in that range or would we prefer to really have the job basically done at tight end before that now we talked in the previous show about how difficult it actually is to get the tight ends that you need and that you want in these formats we know that some of the best ball formats you really need to have three solid tight ends and so to get to three and not use all of your early draft picks at the position means that you are going to be looking at some guys in this area uh, where are you now on smith and cook as we get a little closer to the season
1: what the way i have kind of ranked it, you asked the question there do you want to have a you know wrapped up uh, early in terms of the tight end position if we're playing in tight end premium leagues like the ffpc that we tend to be playing in, i am looking to get one of those top guys if i don't get one of them i tend to be looking at the you know hawkinson fant logan thomas range and then uh, there's not many drafts I have gone into where I have not one tight like where I'm not having my tight end one at that point. So I'm trying to get one of those guys in those kind of first five rounds, and then I'm trying to get that second guy in that you know Johnny Smith range. Then at that point, and then I feel like if I'm stuck at the who I'm having as my third option, that's when I would tend to to look towards the likes of Cook. I think Cook is interesting in terms of how that offense has you know developed and what we expect to happen this year with herbert taking a step forward the one thing i'll always say about cook is i I do have him on some dynasty rosters and he is one of those players that like if you have an injury at the tight end position he's somebody who you can always slot in if you have a bye week and if we look at you know the games basically over the last two seasons he's been a tight end one 55 percent of the time now sometimes being a tight end one at the tight end position is not uh you know it's not always the, the most explosive scoring, but if you're in that kind of 12 to 15-point range, you're likely going to be there most weeks. Um, so the upside is likely going to be capped, but startable weeks is definitely going to be an option. Uh, Jonu, and we, we talked about the Patriots earlier this offseason. I think if they had only signed Henry or only signed Smith, I think we would have had a lot more interest in both of those guys on if they were in separate rosters. But I think with the injury to Henry, and I think you mentioned there about the explosive nature of... Uh, John who I, I think he could be very very intriguing in this offense so I, I I don't know if he'll ever put it all fully together but when we look at Fant and we've seen those plays last season where you know catches a, a kind of a five yard out and then all of a sudden he's taking it like 60 yards down the sideline for a touchdown we can see that as well with with Smith so uh, I think they're both very interesting but based on the the draft order is definitely the the order I'm prioritizing them I've drafted a lot of fant this offseason. Um and then I, I haven't drafted as much of the other two guys, but they are intriguing options at their at their prices as well. But I think especially playing in those tight end premium leagues, you I think we want to be getting at least one of those top six guys sean we're going to tie things in a little bow today on the show with a a listener question that came in Uh, it comes in from marshall nicholson and he's looking uh, for a little kind of an insight into tyler johnson so he says he's been looking back at tyler johnson's profile and his college production was fantastic Is he a player he should be targeting in trades based on that college production even though he seems rather uh, to be blocked from opportunity on his team this year there's no guarantee tom brady Uh, is both the quarterback and playing well in the future. So he's concerned about, uh, you know, a a Tyler Johnson breakout may come on a bad rebuilding offense that limits his upside. So his question is, should he be uh, stashing Tyler Johnson, um, you know, (laughs) or he's got our KJ 100% ownership, Hamler, uh, if both are on the same, uh, if both are the same cost to be acquired in a dynasty league, um, so he says also some kind words about the podcast. So Marshall, thank you for that. Uh, I think especially this this question came in um, last uh, last week at the end of the week prior to uh, KJ Hamler catching that uh, long touchdown. So um, probably a little bit more added to Hamler's value, Sean. But I think um, for myself, Hamler, somebody I, I've been purposely acquiring and multiple dynasty leagues this offseason and also um like you know you mentioned some of your traits kind of adding somebody in as a piece that maybe the other team isn't really thinking that much about but hamler is somebody who can be acquired but it's easier to acquire him in those kind of two for one deals and so on similar another player i've been doing that with gabriel davis but um how do you feel about tyler johnson and then i guess uh how close is he to the kj hamler
2: Well, well, you know, you look at Tyler Johnson and he does have this astonishing production profile from college, the big production early, the big production throughout career dominator ratings up in the range that you're thinking, well, this guy is a clear cut superstar in the making, but then stays for the four years, which, you know, is a big red flag. And even after that, or in some ways, perhaps because of it, the NFL teams are like, no, I mean, this guy doesn't have NFL measurables he's not going to be able to do the same things at this level that he did in college he's more probably of this you know wide receiver four wide receiver five somebody who you know if you're in a spread formation and you know you need to get a completion you know on a third and seven then maybe he goes out there he makes that catch he goes back to the sidelines that's a a valid and you know really pretty uh important role for a reality team and you look at some of the teams like the Kansas City Chiefs who actually don't have that kind of player right I mean they've got their stars and then they have nothing the Buccaneers are sort of loaded with that kind of player and it's one of the reasons why their offense can be dynamic Brady has more guys to go to more guys to go to and I think that Johnson is someone who has the potential to emerge along those lines but he's also somebody who with what the NFL thinks of him, and as Marshall notes here, just the opportunity in this offense, very blocked, right? And so I see Johnson as one of these 50-year breakout guys. Had the 50-year article on the site somewhat recently, talked about that during our Stealing Bananas breakout uh, theme, the week where we're talking about breakouts there. So these guys who are drafted late and stick in the league – then we expect them to be the guys who break out later. So I don't think that Tyler Johnson is going anywhere. I don't think that he's someone who you know is going to be cut out of the league. I think he's too good for that. I think that what he did in college is going to come to the fore at some point, but it, it just it's difficult to see how that would happen here. If they hadn't signed Antonio Brown, then I think that people like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson would be a lot more interesting because somebody then would have the chance to break out. But when you still have Miller there. When you have Jalen Darden, who's gotten a lot of buzz in training camp, and, and part of that is going to be the fact that you know the new shiny toy, even if he's a late round pick, is going to get a little bit more attention than the previous toy that's not as shiny, and again, it was a late round pick, and so people are like, yeah, well, I mean, our expectations weren't that high anyway. When you're at least fourth, and you're competing with a couple of other guys who have interesting notes to them as well, then... In most dynasty formats, it's going to be hard to roster that player because you've built so much depth anyway that even when you're in a 25, 30, 35 roster spot league, you know you, you start to run up against the edge of the number of players you can keep. But Johnson is somebody that we want to keep an eye on. If anything changes, you immediately add him. Uh, he stays on your watch list, and I think you know, hopefully climbs onto your team in a year or two as he sticks in the league and eventually emerges. Hamler, I think we're going to see some noise from much sooner than that.
1: Yeah, hopefully the noise will, will continue throughout the, the rest of the offseason. We touched on, um, you know, phantom this show. We are quite excited about the, the potential of some of these Broncos players this year. So hopefully that will all work out for us. As always, you can get yourself a listener's discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass. All you have to do is add that code RVRADIO2021 to save 10% at checkout. Or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for more information. I really uh, will recommend it, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you ready to, to get those results this season. Um, there's no better way than The Road of His NFL Pass. Gets you access to all of the tools we talk about on the site, all of the content on the site, um, and I, I highly recommend it. I think it's the, the best value in the business. But that's going to take us to the end of today's show. As always, drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app uh does help us out a lot here as we continue to grow the road of his radio audience and the road of his ot audience thank you for that continued support my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over Ireland. my co-host as always is sean siegel um and of course check out sean's other podcast with ben gretz that is the stadium bananas podcast definitely well worth a listen uh, another three phenomenal podcasts this past week uh check that out as well but until we're back with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast. When
0: you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,